So, Misha, you know the time travel fiction cliche, accidentally becoming your own grandfather? You know, like in Futurama and Back to the Future and most specifically the movie we're going to be talking about today. What movie are we talking about today? We'll get to that later. You know that cliche of becoming your own grandfather because when you're able to go back in time, there are basically two things that you are almost destined to do when you go back in time. And that is either kill your own grandfather or become your own grandparent. That's kind of gross. Yeah, right? It is. It's a little gross. It seems to be also genetically improbable. Very genetically improbable. Yeah, based on anything that I know about biology, which admittedly isn't much, but I think I can tell you that that's not how that works. Also, oh my god, yeah, that is really gross. What I can tell you is that for some weird reason, that is in fact a trope of time travel fiction. I think only one instance in fiction where that trope is not super gross, and that is the movie Predestination. Based on the short story All You Zombies by Robert A. Heinlein, Predestination is a story about one person. Yes, it is very specifically one person. Predestination is the story of one person. Uh, That person is born a girl, but also has testes, is raised as a girl for most of their life, meets a mysterious stranger, falls in love with that stranger, has a baby girl with that stranger, but during the birth process, finds out that they are intersex and the doctors turn that person biologically male because they can't save the female parts. So that man grows up fairly bitter over the whole experience. As you would be. And then that man meets a time traveler who says, would you like to fuck up that man's day? Because that person ruined your life. So they go back in time and it turns out that man was the mysterious stranger all along. He falls in love with his past female self, impregnates his past female self, and then must time travel away again. Because it turns out, baby that they have together is her. Or them is that character. Is also the same person. It's all the same person. Almost every character in this movie is the same person. And by that, I almost explicitly mean Sarah. Snook and Ethan Hawke are, spoiler alert, the same person. Uh, it, it turns out the time traveler who brings them back, he's on the last mission of his time agent career to set up the existence of this person by hooking up this person with their past self. Turns out that time agent is also the same person from even further in the future after their face is burned off and they've received a facial transplant. Yeah, they get hella deadpooled and then get a new face and then that new face means they are the taller, entirely different bone structured Ethan Hawke. Just trust us they're the same person. The point is, they're the same person. Through time travel, this person ends up being in their own life six times. And is not only themselves and their recruiting time agent, but also their nemesis, a mysterious terrorist called the Fizzle Bomber, who travels through time to fizzle bombs? Turns out that person's also Ethan Hawke. Everybody except one person in this movie is the same person. They're all the same person. There's that girl in the typewriter shop. There's the girl in the typewriter shop, and there's the guy who recruits them, Robertson. I'm sure there's a fan theory where Robertson is also them, because might as well. If we continued on, you could probably make a case that every single character in that movie... It's like that one short story where every single person, just the same person being reincarnated over and over again. Oh, the egg i love that story did you know that was written by andy weir yeah i did i didn't i didn't know that yeah that was the thing he wrote before the martian that's such a weird cv this movie takes time travel and uses it to tell a story fundamentally about identity because when you're your own mother father daughter mentor nemesis and killer it ain't easy to keep track of your identity yeah this movie is basically the opposite of orphan black because it is multiple actors all playing the same person it's just one person why hasn't tatiana maslany won every award yet Did she not win that one Emmy that one time? She got nominated for something once. That's disappointing. Right? 
I am very much disappointed by that. Over the course of the film, this entity, Jane John, let's call them Jane John. Jane John goes through a major change of identity from Jane to John, which, as the movie self-admits, is kind of lame name change. And then a series of smaller identity shifts. So Jane John is constantly finding themselves in roles that they are adept at, but not suited for. Like, while Jane takes a job as a... She gets recruited by this agency that is basically recruiting women to give stress relief to the male members of long-term space travel crews. They're essentially space hookers. I think they're actually be preferred to be called companions. Point, Dan. John works as a Miss Lonely Hearts-style writer, writing confessional stories as the unmarried mother. And even as a time agent, after John impregnates his past self, takes Ethan Hawke's offer, becomes a time agent, is a time agent for, I think, many relative years. He never really seems to fit in anywhere. Basically, the only place where Jane John finds themselves suited is facilitating their own existence. I'd like to add to that. I'd like to say that the only place Jane John feels at home is with themselves. I can understand that. In the movie, the only moments of serenity that Jane John ever finds is when John, having just found out that he is the mysterious stranger in his own past, falls in love with Jane, but it really only ever seems to be that time that that person is truly happy. Which is funny because that moment couldn't happen without time travel, as opposed to a lot of other time travel stories where time travel just makes everything worse. This is like the one time where the rest of life is horrible and the time travel makes it better. While we're talking about identity, I do want to talk about one other aspect of Jane John's persona, and that is their identity as an utter anomaly in the universe. It's surprising that they are actually a human because they have no mother, they have no father, they have no human lineage. The DNA that creates this person sprang from the brow of Zeus, like just appeared in the universe one time and is self-perpetuating and self-consistent, but doesn't actually appear from anywhere. Their very genetic code is an ontological paradox. Which actually explains some of the curious biology that makes Jane John possible. Yeah, it's a little strange because this is a person who has a fully functioning set of female reproductive organs and then loses them through an unfortunate incident and gains through therapy the ability to use their fully functioning set of male organs, but both of those are reproductively viable. And that's not really how we understand modern human biology. I have a very light grasp of human biology. From what I understand, and please, listeners, please tell me if I'm wrong, because I very well could be. Arsparadoxica at gmail.com. But when you have both sets of reproductive organs, it tends to make them infertile. Messing with the 23rd chromosome pair tends to make you infertile in most cases. And again, please please tell me if I'm wrong. But it's interesting because that really does sort of explain how that happens. This person isn't human. You know, it's a chicken and egg thing. You're a chicken if you came from a chicken egg. This human didn't come from a human. It came from the universe. They talk about the Ouroboros frequently in the movie, the snake eating its own tail, and I think that that's an accurate metaphor because Jane John, again, her own mother, father, daughter, mentor, nemesis, and again, murderer, seemingly, they don't do really anything of consequence besides themselves. They are their own phenomenon. That phenomenon is actually called a strange loop. It's a loop which has no beginning and has no end. Uh, much like a shepherd tone in audio, which I don't know if you guys have played Mario 64, but when you're going down the endless staircase, it's like a... It's like a tone that constantly goes down but never seems to go anywhere. It has no beginning and no end. It is a strange loop. Oh, you mean like the tone that's playing over us talking right now? Yeah, that tone. That's That was a good, that was a good cue, Dan. That was a good cue. But... Actually, the fact that this story is a strange loop is what turned me on to it in the first place. See, this movie is based on a short story by pillar of science fiction writing, Robert Heinlein. 
It's called All You Zombies. It is called M-Dash, All You Zombies M-Dash. And when I was back in high school, a friend of mine and I were studying Strange Loops. I got really into Shepard Tones because, surprise, I'm an audio person. But that's how I found this story in the first place was that it was an example of a human Strange Loop. And I thought that was super cool. Something that just doesn't end and doesn't begin and just constantly is a cycle and you can't tell where the seam is. Yeah, there is no seam, really. Actually, in Predestination, there is explicitly no seam and Robertson says as much. There's there's two seams, and it's it's the ones on either side of Ethan Hawke's face where he got the face transplant. Oh, yeah, you're right. Where did he get the face from? From famous Hollywood actor Ethan Hawke? Yeah, the time agents just went and grabbed Ethan Hawke and, like, cut his face off. Well, young Ethan Hawke, because remember, this movie takes place in the 40s to the 60s, I believe. Oh, yeah, we never said that. Yeah, this movie takes place in mid-century, but at the same time, there's a lot of science fiction. That is the cool part about the movie that's different than the short story. In the short story, it really is just the bit about how Jane John comes to be. But in the movie, you get to depict that. You get to depict Jane John's training experience for all of these various agencies. You get to see what the time machine looks like, which, oh my god, it looks like a really classy violin case. You put the coordinates into the lock, and then you close it, and you travel in time. Oh, it looks so good. Oh, yeah the effects when we jump away and leaves fly and glass breaks and it's all very subtle except for the glass breaking one that's pretty apparent but oh but it's so good though but it looks really good anyway the best part about the movie for me i think as a fan of the short story who then came to the movie is seeing how they expanded the world and it's cool because the story was written many years ago at which point 1988 the home base of the time agent is in the future of when they wrote the story but now it's in the past and the movie didn't change that the movie definitely stuck to the baby was raised from 1945 to 1985 and everything is period but also sci-fi and they do a really good job of it there's curious amounts of sci-fi jane goes to try to get a job at a space agency and they do a spaceflight training thing or something. The point is they wear a bunch of weird helmets that give you a the end of 2001 experience. The fact that there's an agency that deals with long-form space travel as an everyday thing, but it also takes place in the 1960s. The fact that there's long-form space travel in the 60s, and there's infrastructure for that, training processes, and it's been well thought through, it's well funded. That's a cool world. I think the reason that there is long-term space travel is because they mentioned that time travel is invented in what 1981 and you can only jump 53 years to either side of when time travel is invented i like to believe that since we know that robertson is not only working with the space travel agency but he's also working with the time agency that some of this advanced technology comes from the future that is able to have long-term space travel. Oh, and they cross-pollinate the past with seeds of technology from the future. Exactly. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. All of the science fiction-y parts, all of the strange space training helmets and the fancy facility they go to where they run on treadmills a lot and are tested. It's very retro future. It's very Rocket Man kind of fallout looking. Sleek round lines and organic shapes but pure white organic shapes yeah the the 1960s you've seen like mad men's office where it looks very like mod in 1960s and it's cool because the filmmakers didn't have to do that they were under no obligation to make the world of this short story as cool as it was and yet it looks so cool and it really brings you into this utterly outlandish concept they certainly were not under obligation to get into what it must be like to be this person to have this strange existence all you zombies really just sets up the premise 
and goes, what if there was this person? And the movie really goes into the character of this person and the drama of having your gender without consent. Her gender gets stripped from her and she's almost forced to go through gender reassignment. And loses her daughter at the same time. The one signifier that she was female. At the same time, within like two weeks of each other, right? And Sarah Snook, to her credit, just kills the portrayal of how traumatic an experience that must be. The scene where she's practicing her male voice, her voice is John, my name is John. She doesn't say that. She says, my name is Jane. And then through that exercise, realizes how ridiculous that sounds, saying my name is Jane with a decidedly deep and how our society identifies a male voice. She breaks down at that. She There's a moment where she's like, this sounds ridiculous. I'm going to have to change yet another part of myself. And it's harrowing. Ah, it gets me. By the end of the movie... This person is no longer the person they started the movie as. They not only lose their gender and their offspring, but they lose their face. They have to become someone wholly new. And their name. They lose their name. It's no wonder that at the end of this, they resort to becoming the fizzle bomber, to becoming the the person that they have fought so long to stop. The fizzle bomber just becomes another disposable identity. Ugh. Having to accept over the course of your life that your identity is and must be disposable. They don't want to be the fizzle bomber. They don't want to kill innocent people, but they're doing it for a cause. Robertson at one point says, you know, gee, I sure do sometimes wish we had someone outside the system, outside of the system of our very carefully calculated time jumps where we could do some real good, but we wouldn't have to be so, you know, Nancy about tiptoeing back through time. And then obviously the Jane John's field kit does not decommission properly. And they take that opportunity to become the rogue agent that Robertson has suggested, which kind of makes Robertson the whole architect of Jane John's existence. He is always there to push Jane John in the direction that they have to be pushed in. So maybe Robertson could be another figment of Jane John, which I would love, but they're also kind of God. Yeah. As much of a God as this movie acknowledges the existence of, I suppose. The Fizzle Bomber does what he does because he is actually saving people in the future. He is preventing future catastrophe by making sure specific people don't make it to where they're supposed to be in the future. And he is the only thing in this movie that is actually able to change the course of time. He's the only person who, in any realistic way, changes how events play out. Which is interesting because that means that the time travel in this movie is either divergent time or replacement time. Divergent meaning it goes to a parallel timeline and replacement meaning there's one timeline, it just gets rewritten. And so that makes this movie firmly replacement time, but Jane John's existence only works in fixed time or it works as a fixed loop within the replacement time, which means that Jane John is the one fixed point in time to borrow a term from Doctor Who, around which the rest of the universe is in flux, which comes back to the title of the short story in the first place, whereby Jane John says, I know where I came from, but where did all you zombies come from? Right. Jane John is the only person in the entire universe that truly exists. They can't not exist. If anything were to go wrong in the very precise layout of events that create this very strange setup, nothing would happen. Like, they're just this character character wouldn't be there and everything would be different but because it is the way it is it has to be the way it has to be jane john kind of becomes the linchpin of the universe 
the focal point. That must be a lot to deal with. I do not wish that upon my worst enemy. I also would not like my worst enemy to be the crux of the entire universe. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really bad. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Time Lapse. Please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter. Are we on Friendster? Nobody's on Friendster. But for what it's worth, if, if it's, it's Ars Paradoxica, Paradoxica it's, it's probably, probably us. Please also check out our show, Ars Paradoxica. We're putting out a brand new mini episode to our patron backers sometime this week. It's going to be pretty rad. We're raising funds through our Patreon, so check us out there. And we hope you enjoyed listening to Time Lapse. Yeah, have a great time lapse. Get out.